Grief Stories is not a crisis resource. Please seek support from a qualified professional in your area to meet your unique emotional and medical needs. You are listening to the Grief Stories podcast. I'm your host, Maureen Pollard, a social worker with an interest in helping people find hope and healing when someone they love has died. In each episode, you'll hear a real person sharing their story of loss and the insights they have gained that help them on their journey with grief. At Grief Stories, we're helping grief make sense one story at a time. Today, we're speaking with Sean, whose grandmother chose medical assistance in dying. Hello, Sean. How are you today? Hi, I'm well. How are you? Good. Welcome to the Grief Stories podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Good. Can you please tell us your story of loss? Yeah. um, So my grandmother passed away almost exactly a year ago um, as we're recording this. So she passed away uh, last October 16th. Um, And it was a she was 86 years old. So, you know, with a year's distance, we can say everybody at the time was sad. No one was surprised. Um, But but at the time, it all felt very fast. Um, She went to the hospital on October 1st and we lost her on October 16th. Um, She was diagnosed with multiple cancers um, and then and then went really quickly um, in large part because she chose medically assisted dying. So so our loss was different than a lot of the ones uh, of people I know of my own previous losses. I mean, she was the last grandparent in my extended family. Um, but the first one to have medically assisted dying as an option to her. So, so it was a very different experience um, than it, it had been in the past where you had, you know, loved ones who were, were ill and declined and ultimately passed away from some kind of disease. Um, she chose to, to sort of circumnavigate that um, or circumvent that option and, and sort of took control of her own dying Um which was difficult for me and for my family. But, you know, I think a year later has become easier and, and has become something to reflect on. Um, yeah, but at the time it was very challenging. Mm-hmm. So what were some of the challenges that that brought, that idea of medical assistance and dying that hadn't been available to anybody before in your family? In the immediate moment, the biggest challenge was the speed of it. Um, you know, she was aging, but she wasn't she wasn't she didn't she wasn't dying for very long in in the way that we might think of it um you know she went to the hospital on october 1st and and two weeks later and a day two weeks in a day she was gone so um so that's not a lot of time to get your head around going mm-hmm. to losing nana um you know compared to for example my grandfather her husband passed away uh, 25 years ago but he had cancer and was sick for a year so that presents that situation presented its own set of challenges, but you certainly have lots of time to to come to grips with the reality of losing a family member in a way that you don't when previous to going to the hospital, I mean, she still lived independently. She still drove. She still walked her little dog. She mm-hmm. wasn't on any significant medication. So to go from that to October 16th is the day um, is, is very difficult in the moment. Um, And the other thing, you know, medically assisted dying is new in Canada. Um, Again, with some hindsight, we can talk about that more, but, but in the moment you you don't really know what to do or say, you don't really know who to tell, you know, when people say, well, how's your grandmother? 
it's very, I, you know, I, I told my, my boss at work, she was, a, my, my boss was away and she came back and she said, how's your, how's your grandmother doing? And I said, she's okay. She's going to die on Tuesday. Um, which is a very strange thing to say. Um, yeah. So there's no playbook to, to tell people what you're supposed to say, how they're supposed to react. If you say my grandmother's in the hospital, she has cancer, it's not looking good. Everyone knows to nod and, and be sympathetic. But when you say my grandmother is in the hospital and she's chosen the next Tuesday is the day she's going to die. You know, that's a very different, people don't know what to say in that scenario. So that, yeah. that makes because you're navigating a loss and navigating this sort of unknown social construct at the same time. Right. And very swiftly, that's really like less than two weeks, right? Like about, yeah. well, just about yeah. two weeks, right? And so yeah. that, that, that combination of quickly wrapping your mind around this loss um, when there aren't some of the signs that we're used to after a long illness mm-hmm. um, and also dealing with the the unexpected reactions of people because this is not something we're used to. Um, that's, yeah. a, that's quite a combination to have to dance to for a little while. It is, it is. And I, I should say that, you know, everybody who I was completely open with and said, well, she's chosen medically so it's dying either before or after the fact, um, everyone was supportive or had questions. No one no one was aggressive. No one was judgmental and, you know, and told me that, that what she'd chosen was wrong. Um, but you don't know, you know, I hope in 20 or 30 years, people who find themselves in these situations will all know what to say, just like we know what to say when someone talks about a loss that's, a re- you know, related to cancer or a heart attack. I mean, we all know what to say in those scenarios. And hopefully with, with a little more experience, we'll know what to say when someone says, well, my grandmother chose to die last Tuesday. But, but yeah. in that moment we didn't, um, you know, and yeah. that, that adds, that does add a layer of complexity in, in difficult com- conversations that are already going to be difficult. For sure. For sure. So what have been some of the things that you found have helped you cope with this grief, um, and losing your grandmother this way? Um, things like this talking, particularly talking about medically assisted dying. Um, you know, like I said, everyone I have told this whole story to everyone, my family's told this story to has been, kind and supportive there have even been stories of people who have gone through the same thing or want to go through the same thing when when the moment comes um and and so knowing that we're helping to normalize those conversations for other people in the future makes it easier um you know at the time those two weeks felt very fast and not enough time to say goodbye to someone who'd been a large part of my life um but you know a year later you know, she didn't languish, she didn't decline for months or a year or anything like that. And so, you know, that has to go a long way to know that, that it was easier. Um, and one of the unexpected side effects of, of going through the process of someone choosing medically assisted dying is it's a legal requirement that they have to be sort of mentally competent right up until the very end, because, you know, for liability reasons, the doctors need to know and everyone present needs to know that this is something they have chosen. And so, and and because of that, you know, I am confident that this is what she wanted. I mean, she was so clear. Um, my mother was with her, I don't know, five days before she died. And my grandmother said, well, I was looking at the calendar and it looks like next Tuesday is going to be the next day. You play bridge on Tuesdays. I think you'll have to cancel that next week. I mean, she was so clear that she was still keeping my mother's <laughs> social calendar. And so, 
So knowing that she was that confident in her decision makes it easier. I mean, loss is always hard, but, but knowing that that was something that she decided to take on, um, you know, does, does help manage that a little bit. Um, and we also, we had a really lovely memorial celebration of life service for her uh, in the summer. One of those other benefits of, of that mental clarity was she was able to issue edicts from her deathbed on what she <laughs> wanted us to do. Um, so we, we did, we gathered the whole family and, you know, she asked for her ashes to be scattered uh, in a specific way. And she was a longtime quilter. She wanted us to all bring our quilts and wrap them around ourselves as, as we did that. And so, you know, it was a nice moment of closure on, you know, what had been a very difficult couple of two weeks, um, but ultimately was a nice moment with family in the summer. Um, she always liked a captive audience and, uh, and and she got one last one in June. So that, that made it easier too to sort of have everyone back together one more time without sort of the frantic pace of, of those previous two weeks last fall. Right. So such a, really such a, a beautiful um, outcome from such a difficult diagnosis and a challenging process of this new um, experience of being able to set a date and know the death time. Yeah. And the beauty of it comes from the fact, like you said, she was so clear about it. You didn't have any worry that this was going to be painful or difficult or drawn out for her. You knew that it was what she wanted and it would be easier for her, which kind of helped you adjust to it a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, she, my grandfather was only 68 when he passed away, so she was in her early 60s as well and nursed him for a year. And I, you know, and she knew she didn't want to go through that um, and, and not even you know, selfishly, I could say she didn't want to put her family through that, but she watched him decline for a year and, he, and, and I think didn't want to go through that experience herself. So, mm -hmm. so we have to trust that she made the decision that worked best for her, even if it left us all scrambling a little bit uh, yeah. for, for what the next step was. Well, and, and in a little way it was, is also a protection of you from, um, as a family from having to be in that caregiving role that she knew um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. would also be challenging. So yeah. there's challenges yeah. anyway, someone dies and these were specific, was, right? So exactly. I mean, loss is always hard. And, and, you know, like I said, she was, she was the last of that generation in my extended family. And so certainly my mother and all of her sisters know how to pull together to care for someone in that scenario. Mm -hmm. um, but to not have to go through that, yeah, I, there's definitely pros and cons to to that. But certainly, a year later, we can look back and go, you know, that that was a good choice. That was the choice she wanted, and and in some ways, you know, lets us begin the grieving process and lets us come to grips with it faster and and know that it was it was the right choice and it was a peaceful choice and. And a kind choice for for everyone, both from her to to the rest of my extended family. Mm -hmm. And like you said, the ability to talk about it, to share what mm -hmm. you learned, and that um, also is helpful in your processing, right? And um, uh, it, it's good to educate other people, but it also, you know, um, has given you over the past year time to come to terms with this in a way that you wouldn't have had time to do in two weeks' time. Right. Yeah, exactly. That exactly. being able to talk freely and, and process. Um, and what a beautiful celebration you were able to have. Yeah, that was really special. Um, 
you know, I mean, to have a celebration at any point, I think, is necessary, whether it's immediately after a death or or nine months later, like we did it or whenever. But but certainly <laughs> she got what she wanted from beginning to end and, and to cap it off with. I mean, I think we had 70 people from all across Canada who came. Um, yeah, I mean, she touched a lot of lives. And so it was nice to sort of reconnect with those people one last time you know, particularly at that moment where you're, you're losing a generation in your family. I think that goes a long way to sort of come together one more time and, and, and see that everyone is okay. And to really do it in a way that honored her wishes, just as her death did. Right. Just really honored her, her wishes and who she was as a person and, and, uh, and feeling confident. It sounds like you feel really confident that you as a family were able to do that for her. Yep. Yep. Definitely. She, not we weren't always able in her life to honor all her requests. She went to ask for a very elaborate concert featuring a solo for or a quartet for trombone, drums, and two clarinets. Um, <laughs> and we unfortunately were not able to find a piece of music that met that requirement. She wanted it done for her 80th birthday, and we weren't able to live up to that request. But certainly <laughs> at the end of her life, we were able to honor that one, and and I think we were happy to do so. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, thank you very much for sharing your story of your grandmother uh, with us um, for the grief stories. I know that um, this is one more opportunity for people to learn about medical assistance in dying. And and uh, our hope is that this story helps others who are facing the same sort of challenges you faced and come through so beautifully. So thank you for sharing with us. Thanks for having me. I, I hope it does help some people. Thank you for listening to the Grief Stories podcast. I'm your host, Maureen Pollard. Please remember that grief is universal, but every person's experience of grief is unique. While our interviews are intended to help listeners feel validation and reassurance, we know that this story might be different from your own. Please visit our website, griefstories.org, for more stories of hope and healing.